If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Gladius, Age of Wonders Planetfall, Aggressors Ancient Rome, Total Warhammer 2, and much, much more. Troy. Hey, Troy. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nate. It's great to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. There's a, Our uh, fourth anniversary is coming up. Not yours and mine, but Explorinates. <laughs> Since the founding. <laughs> well, you know, it's online friends. Plutonic right. friends. So Explorinates' fourth anniversary is coming up. So that's, that's really exciting. And uh, uh, that's it. Other than that, all... For the most part as well, something happened shortly before we sat down to record this. So we're going to discuss this at the tail end of the show. But until then, I'm ready to go. How about yourself? You ready? You having a good week so far? Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I had the chance to go to an NFL preseason game, and I really enjoyed that with the family and all that sort of thing. Nice. So I'm rejuvenated, ready to go. So why don't you kick us off with some gaming news? I, I will, but one quick second. For those that don't know what NFL stands for, it's National Football League. I know you're giggling and laughing. We have a lot of listeners. There's, And I know this because I can see where people are downloading the podcast from. We have a lot of listeners that are in various parts of the world that might not know. So in order for them to understand what the NFL is, think of it as Blood Bowl, but with less monsters. Okay. Yeah, that's actually a really good description. That's that's the best that because the other games out there I don't think do as good a job as Blood Bowl does. I think like today if you want to play NFL <laughs> you play like Blood Bowl or maybe Mutant League that's another game. But I'll talk about that game at some point in the future. Anyways, yes, let us go ahead and discuss the news. First item on the news tonight is the continuation of the planetary rework for Stellaris for the Leguin update and. They are continuing to go into further details explaining how the planet, like the planet grid and the zones and the jobs and the population, how all of that is changing. It is very detailed. I noticed something. We actually got a comment on last week's show about about Stellaris, like when we're going into depth and into detail and... Sometimes people don't agree with what we say, which I totally get. I understand. I I get it. I get it. You know, if I'm not playing, if at this point I hadn't played a thousand hours of Stellaris, I'm not an expert. But I have, I think, 130 hours, which is pretty decent. And almost all of them, I'd say 120 of them are since the release of 2.0. So I have a lot more experience with Stellaris post 2.0 than pre 2.0 but anyways so they're discussing the population they're continuing so last week they were talking about the population itself this week they're talking about the jobs they're explaining uh, the different type of jobs like you can have clerks colonists farmers miners you can have different strata within uh, a planet so so uh, almost like a hierarchy where you have the elites and then you have what follows like specialists and workers. So elites are the rich, the business types, the politicians, I would suppose the, you know, the wealthy. Then you have specialists, which are uh, like the teachers, the engineers, the, I would assume, uh, you know, people of specialized positions of that nature, you know, university professors, doctors, things like that. And then you have the workers, which are, you know, the nine to fivers or, you know, 
12 to 8, depending which shift you're working or or, you know, 4 to 12 or however you want to look at it. So and then, you know, then they're continuing to explain how um, how this all changes the dynamic of the game. And I'm looking at it. And this is, as far as I can tell, this is not just an economic update, but this is a rework, like a complete rework of the whole mechanism of how it functions. And I'm suspecting it's going to have a very huge impact on the sector system, which I had mentioned last week also. And this is all great. I mean, okay, one more one more major thing to talk about is also housing and growth and migration, which is not one, it's actually three. But anyways, this, this is all great, and this adds a level of complexity that I would say has not been seen since Victoria or Victoria 2 in this case. And it's cool and I like it, but unless they do a lot of work on the AI, I cannot imagine that the governors or the sectors or, you know, whatever system they end up putting in or leaving is going to be doing as good a job as a person. So that means if you want to have a really good experience, you're going to have to micromanage like crazy. And to me, this this is not a good thing. As it stands right now, Stellaris has a lot of systems, has have so many systems around that function better when you're involved as the player versus you know the letting some governor or whatever, some automated system run it. That if this is if this system is that impacted by the personal touch of the player, then that's just gonna be like, you know, you're you're gonna everybody's gonna want to play tall. Everybody's gonna want to have as few planets as possible to lower the micromanagement and that and i believe and i mean i i've heard this leveled not just by some of the explorminate staff but the community in general on i've seen it on twitter that 2.0 ruined it because too way too much clicking too much maintenance too much going on and people like i used to enjoy the game more before 2.0, like 1.9 is like the perfect version of the game. And 2.0, ah, they should have just made it Stellaris 2. Too many big changes, you know? So it remains to be seen. And there's still two more dev journals in this series. And behind the scenes, we're trying to figure out when they're going to release Leguin. And some are saying, oh, it's going to be, yeah, December or next January. I don't think so. I have a feeling this is going to be coming maybe end of September, beginning or middle of October even. And if, wow, it's, <laughs> let's see, let's see where that goes, you know? Yeah, I would think it would be out before the fall sale. Mm, maybe, like, be, which ones? That, it's weird. Steam got weird. Steam has like three fall sales Well, that's now. true. I guess the one that happens like late October, early November, there's one around there usually. Mm. So... I'm, they're like the Halloween sale or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Because I, they also have the November sale for thing, which is like Thanksgiving, the Black right? Friday, Thanksgiving. And then like two weeks later, they have the winter sale. Yeah. I'm talking so about I'm, the one that's usually around Halloween. Yeah. So uh, that's what I think, too. It's, whether there's a sale or not at that time, I don't know. But I think that this is based on what I'm seeing and like Martin Anwards posts on Twitter and like all the engagement they're having right now on their forums, that's that's my guess. September and the September beginning or middle of October. Yeah, with maybe 100%. not even maybe not even at the sale. Release it two three weeks before the oh, sale. Yeah, right. So when the sale drops, they can give like a five percent ten percent discount and discounts to Lars, you know, the base game and a few of the other expansions and try to get people like that, you know. Which is not a you know, it's all good. It's all good. Nobody, nobody's forced to buy these expansions, this DLC. It's not like if you buy it, the game stops working if you don't buy it. You know, you just don't have this thing. Who cares, right? Many people, maybe people will be like, ah, I hate this. I don't want this. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, staying in space, but moving on to other news that might be good or bad. I, I don't know. I can't say. Chris Keeling, who goes by the handle of Severian. He is um, the he was basically the main guy at Wargaming that was in charge of Master of Iron Conquer the Stars. Now, the fact that the game had undergone changes during Alpha Beta and not released in the state that it was then has to do with him being able to push through community feedback and you know what was happening. The fact that after the game was released, that there was another patch, even after they released the, you know, the DLC parts and like, you know, the couple other factions, things like that, when everybody else were like, oh, the game is dead, they still were able to push out a major update that also had to do with him. And he had fought even 
further to try and get one last update that was probably would have been the majority of the work of a community member, Spud Dastardly. He's a modder. He did an incredible job. He has a he has a mod. I haven't I haven't played the game in a while, so I don't I'm assuming it's still up, but his mod pretty much fixes so many things in the game that you know I I couldn't play the game now without his mod, but with his mod, the game got much better and also harder. So anyways, what's this all about? So Chris, uh, in our thread, and it's a pretty large thread, he posted a couple of days back that he left Wargaming. He's no longer with Wargaming, and um, his leaving pretty much is the final you know, nail in the coffin of the latest Master of Orion reboot. And I I don't know who is going to tackle it again. It might be a dead franchise until unless something changes on Wargaming's end. But uh, just wanted to say thank you to him, you know, for bringing back Master of Orion, washing our mouth out from Master of Orion 3 and giving us a game that was much closer to, you know, 1 and 2. Updating it, modernizing it, adding some fun stuff. Look, I like the game. I still like the game. I'm still, if I wasn't so busy playing Endless Space and Stellaris and, you know, looking forward to other space games, I'd, most likely I'd be playing that one. Like, so many good games came out, but like at the time that they came out, there was so much stuff dropping that stuff fell by the side. There's other good games out there, but yeah, this was definitely one that had the production value and, um, you know, had what was needed, but there was some stuff going up in management that ended up putting the brakes on a lot of things. And that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. So we wish him luck. We hope he's going to be, uh, let me see, he's going to be working at another company. And this company makes software for the U.S. military, but software like uh, for training. I don't, I don't know what exactly, but either it could be like training for pilots or training for command staff or training for, you know, gunners or, you know, anything of that nature. But it's for military applications. So that's really cool. And he's, uh, you know, in the States. And uh, th- again, just thank you so much for everything he did. And we wish him a lot of luck. And if he does something interesting, he knows we're here. So he's always welcome to reach out and, you know, hit us up and let us know what he's up to, you know? Oh, yeah. No doubt. Um, I can tell you that Wargaming has been eliminating a lot of its North America operations here lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know why. Um, I think it has to do with the, not World of Tanks Blitz that I play, but World, what they call World of Tanks PC. Uh-huh. Um, like the main game. The main game, right. Uh, it It's experiencing some troubles, at least in my <laughs> estimate. I mean, it still prints money. Like, right. It still makes plenty well, of money. Well, all those but, games do. If they do it right, all of those games do. But it's just not the, printing as much money. The, uh, the atmosphere for acquiring new players for World of Tanks is really negative right now because there's been enough people in it uh, for so long now, they're they're super experts, and Uh-oh. they they have their crews trained up really high. They know all the best places on all the maps. Um, the addition of artillery, like in Blitz, the game I play, there's no artillery, mm-hmm. so um, the game tends to be more dynamic with uh, people engaging in close quarters combat with their tanks. Right. But in World of Tanks PC, there's artillery. So if you get spotted, mm-hmm. immediately there's going to be shells raining down on your head from people you can't even see. Right, especially so, if they know the maps, you know, if they know the good camping spots and they know, like, where the right line of sight is. It's, you know, send somebody out to scout and then just clear the map, right? Exactly, exactly. So, anyway... They they have eliminated a lot of their North American. I'm not saying that Chris leaving Wargaming is part of that. I'm just saying it it's it's been a trend that's been going on for a while that North American employees have been either uh, uh, excused from the company or uh, they've gone they've gone their own separate ways because it's just well, not what the, uh, Wargaming wants to be. So the one thing that somebody might not know is that Wargaming is a Russian company, and with the Belarus, political yeah. Well, okay, I apologize. Belarus, former former Soviet country, but a country from the Eastern Bloc up there. And maybe, you know, all the political climate is like, ah, we don't want nothing to do with that. We're just going to pull out so we don't get caught up in whatever happens, you know. Of course, I'm being crazy here. And 
no, nothing like that could ever happen. But, <laughs> you know, who knows? <laughs> right. Okay, so anyway, let's move on now to Age of Wonders Planetfall. Mm-hmm. And this week, the update is all about customizing your commander. So in, you know, in the Age of Wonders game, you make your leader and he's actually a piece on the board. He's not like a lot of other terrestrial 4X games where your leader is some disembodied, powerful person in an ivory tower somewhere that never appears on game. He actually runs around and, and does stuff and kills people and all that sort or of she, thing. Or she. Or she. Exactly. So anyway, the in this one, they're they're kind of talking about they actually talk more about the factions than customizing the commander, really. So each faction is going to have eight units plus two ships, which I'm guessing are like naval things, and a, a colonizer or a uh, settler unit, basically. Mm-hmm. And then also each faction is going to have its own like preferred weapon types. So for instance, the Vanguard use laser and kinetic. Uh, the Kirko use biochemical and psionic powers. The Syndicate uses arc and psionic. And so like they all have these two different um, types of weapons that they prefer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Divar use explosive and kinetic. They're the only one that uses explosive. Weapons. Well, they're they're the space dwarves, so right. You know. It makes sense. Um, so anyway, so that's that's a lot of what they talk about there. And then they talk about when you're choosing your commander, you get to choose a secret technology from the Star Union, and that's kind of like the ancient space empire that fell. You know, um, Warhammer 40k and BattleTech kind of have the same sort of thing. And anyway, um, you you choose that secret technology that decides what type of doomsday weapon you're going to have, what kind of victory conditions you're going to be able to achieve. And then it moves on to perks, where it finally does talk about the uh, commanders. And the information is pretty light. For instance, you get three areas you can customize your guy. Background, colony, supplement, and personal loadout. So essentially... You know, what is your guy's skills? What, what what can they offer the colony, especially at the beginning of the game? Not so much towards the end. It seems like it's all front-loaded at the beginning. And what's their starting equipment like? So, I don't know. I hope that that gets developed a little bit more as time goes on, because it doesn't mm-hmm. seem all that deep at the moment. It's certainly not as deep as I would expect for Age of Wonders game. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you can take negative traits to get more points. So, you know, the uh, fun min-maxing game at character creation is still going to be in there. And then we get a brief preview of the tech tree for Planetfall. And, you know, it kind of looks like other tech trees in other games. But the important thing is this. Each faction has essentially its own tech tree. There will be a few things that all the factions share. But for the most part, they're going to be unique. And if there's anything I think we've come to desire out of 4X games over the last four years is faction differentiation. How how different is my experience going to be as I change factions? You know, that keeps the game fresh and interesting and challenging. And I'm glad to see that they're taking real steps in, in the weapon types and in the tech tree to get these factions different from each other. Absolutely. So to add a couple of points. So first of all, about the factions, like when you mentioned the tech tree and whatnot, um, I think it looks simple right now, but I have a feeling they're really going to revamp it because it's very simplified, not Mm -hmm. the tech itself, but just the user interface for it. And I think if they spruce it up and add a couple of pop out elements to it and things like that, I think that'll really make it look different. Now, as far as... um, like the flow of the tech, it actually makes me think a lot about Civilization Beyond Earth, like elements of that where the different, um, depending on who supported you or who sponsored your expedition, you get, you know, you get bonuses and things like that. And that also applies to, like when you said you're starting, what kind of benefit the colony, the original colony has that also has elements of that. And then as far as the leaders themselves, just, just a quick glance looking at that screen, the command, the selecting your commander screen, looks a lot like Age of Wonders 3. Yeah, I thought the same thing. So if they're going by that, it's going to have so much variability there from costuming to stances to appearance 
to coloring to uh, like so in Age of Wonders 3 you had stuff like alignment but here you don't have exactly alignment you have some version of it and then you have the pre-generated commanders or you can make your own and then you can add yours into the pool to face them in the future so you know if they're if they're going to follow up on the stuff to do with age of wonders 3 and just like take what they had there and just update it for planet fall that in itself is going to be fantastic just that right there and as far as the units themselves i i think they're streamlining it but when they say ships i don't know if they mean ships like you said aquatic or maybe it'll be you know, like planes or, you know, some kind of a flying ship. You know, a ship doesn't necessarily need to be something that travels on the surface of the water. If it moves, you know, just things like that. So anyways, yeah, I, I'm I'm super hyped, super hyped. But at the same time, I'm trying to keep my expectations in check because you know what happens when you get hyped like that. Right? Oh, yeah, no doubt. So, all right, let's continue with um, the sci-fi in space, but on a planet. This week has an update that Gladius has uh, released a patch version 1.0.9. And within it, there are a few small additions, like a new effect when uh, the Space Marines uh, drop one of their drop pods. So there's going to be like a shake effect. And then, so that's kind of cool. You know, it's a neat little thing. Not, you know, doesn't matter all that much, really. What I would want myself, which is what happens in the tabletop game, is that... And and I think that actually happened, if I remember correctly, that was also the case in Dawn of War 2, that you could use the drop pod as a weapon. So you use it as orbital bombardment, drop it on something to wipe it out, and then the doors open and the space marines jump out and <laughs> clean up what's left. But anyways, that, that's what I would like. And I tr- and in the game, you when you drop when you land the drop pod, you can't actually land on a unit. So anyways, having said that. The major addition that they made, the new addition they made, which I I don't use this. I don't like using keyboards when I play like this. That's why I like having a lot of control in my mouse. So I'll use a couple of functions on the keyboard, but I don't really use hotkeys. That's why I don't play real-time strategy games. I don't need to assign squads and like, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm just not, not that good at it at this point in my life. But they added hotkeys to the game. And they added a lot of them. So that's pretty awesome. I'm pretty certain that there will be players that use it and enjoy it. And then they're continuing to do bug fixing, little bugs here and there, and balance based, again, on feedback from the community. Now, I'm noticing that, like, when I look on on my friends list to see what people are playing, I'm seeing people still playing Gladius, which is great. And if from, you know, from time to time, somebody else on my friends list is picking it up. So the game is continuing to sell. So at this point, all I have to say to Proxy Studios is, come on, tell us what's the next faction. Please release the next faction. I, I would love to see Tyranids. I would love to see the Tau. I mean, I maybe another Space Marine faction would be interesting because in the like as it is now you don't really know which space marine faction you have imperial fist ultramarines you don't know so because you can change the color that's kind of boring you know at least in the dawn of war games you had the blood ravens that had an established story and whatnot so we'll see but uh yeah nice little update right there for that all right very cool next we're gonna move on to a couple of rome games and we'll start it off with aggressors ancient rome and this is their last dev diary before launch so aggressors ancient rome will launch on steam the day after you hear this podcast so we put it up on wednesday it launches thursday so um that's thursday august 30th anyway um this this update was all about the random map generator and it went into an extreme amount of detail for a a game mechanic that we kind of all just take for granted so i'm just gonna hit the highlights here real quick you have all the normal settings that you would expect, right? The the size of the map in general, then the map type, you know, going all the way back to, I think, Civ 1. You could customize, like, Archipelago or Pangea and all that sort of thing. Uh, you can mess with the climates and, and all that. Like, what you would expect out of a Civ game. But it's not stopping there. It goes on. You can customize the starting status for pretty much every the, the the player and the ai so like if you want to start off with a very small tribe with maybe only one city or, or just a couple of cities and you want to put the ai as a massive empire 
you can do that. Or you can flip it around. Or you could do it in the middle or any other combination. You have, you have a lot of control with that. Also, you can control the aggressiveness of the AI when you're creating your map parameters. You can make them extremely aggressive or very passive. It's up to you. You can also control, like, not only, like, the starting conditions, like, how many starting cities and that sort of thing, but, like, how many other, uh, like, units or, or resources are they going to, the AI going to start with? How many are you going to start with? And you can make it really balanced, or you can totally slant it in the favor of the AI if you want a really hard challenge. And so there's all kinds of things like that in the map generation, the random map generator UI that you know, gives you an extreme amount of customability. And, and the surprising thing is this wasn't even intended to be part of the game at launch. They, they said, well, you know, we'll make uh, the Mediterranean world and that's going to be the only map. You can play essentially in the Med, you know, parts of Germany um, and just a, a small bit of Mesopotamia. Uh, but for the most part, it's got to be touching the Med. Well, it makes sense. It, it is a game based on history. Now, it's going to be like any game of this type. It ends up being alternate history, a what-if scenario. Right. So, the, you know, there is that. But if you're working with an actual map of the region at the time, you can't do random. Like in Civ, you can play on Earth map. But you know, it's not a real Earth map. Especially when, you know, you have three or four civilizations beginning in God knows where. So here you have their, their correct historically, as far as what I could tell from what was written is the historically accurate location and starts. That kind of stuff you can mess with. But the map itself is, you know, Europe is Europe. North Africa is North Africa. You know, East uh, West Asia or Eastern Europe, you know, in that part of the Mediterranean, the Middle East and whatnot. You know, it's set. So that's good. That's I, I appreciate that because, you know, when I play a quasi-historical game, I don't want to play on Earth variant number 39, you know? <laughs> right, right. I mean, you can even adjust, like, turn length for, like, the number of turns you have per year, which affects, like, your research and all this stuff. So it gives you an extreme amount of control. So uh, Das Tactic has picked up Aggressors. Ancient Rome has been playing it a lot lately. It looks like a solid game to me. It looks like it'll be... Uh, a, a pretty good 4X game um, when it launches. I, I don't see... Now, I'm hoping... Man, I'm hoping that they're not doing anything new to the game before they launch it. Because yeah. we've seen so many times mm -hmm. these games mm -hmm. going into uh, launch looking fine, mm -hmm. and then the devs say, well, we wanted to include this last little surprise. And it breaks yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah. And, surprise! You know, game's broken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the wrong Oops. kind of surprise. Like, yeah. well, you know, the beta testers have been playing this for a year. We wanted to give them something new to try. No, don't give them anything new. Yeah. Launch without bugs. That'll be something that'll be new and shocking enough for everybody. Right. Just do that. And I, I didn't really encounter any bugs when I played it. Well, that's so, good. That's anyway. good. I'm, I'm glad that you're saying that because this is... By the typical standard of a 4X, of a major 4X release, this game is not on that level. This is a small studio. This is, a you know, I believe one main developer. So if you're coming into this expecting Civilization or Endless Legend, you're going to be disappointed. But if you're coming in this expecting a solid game with not just 4X element, but something that's not hyper-focused on every aspect of combat... Because you're actually looking at managing your growing empire, you know, expanding in the region and seeing if you can do different, you can create a different story. This is this might be the game for you. And it's different than like, say, something like Europa Universalis, because the combat in this game is more um, involved. More Sid-like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's but it's not it's not like here's my blob and I'm going to chase your blob all over the map. Right. And maybe my blob is faster than yours by a tick, so I'll catch you in 72 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that's my experience right. with uh, Crusader Kings 2 and European Rosales is like wars. It's ancillary and I get it, but you know, not too ancillary, you know. Yeah, well, speaking of those two games, our next Rome game comes from Paradox. This is Imperator Rome. And this week, they talked about the Senate. And the Senate in the Republic has 100 seats, and the seats are going to be divided among five factions. you got the Civic Faction, Military, Mercantile, 
religious, and populous. And the the factions have different bonuses for each of them, except for the populist faction, which increases all the power costs, which I'm, I'm taking as a negative thing. And uh, it says here, as you may notice, they're having populists in power is not entirely beneficial. And so I wonder if that's not some political commentary there from Paradox about uh, how they view uh, populist parties and candidates, because uh, there, there is a, a lot of populists in all over the world right now who are uh, making a lot of noise. So I wonder if they're not making some type of political statement here. Some may disagree. Anyway, each uh, the you're going to have elections, and the parties are going to com- compete for seats. Now, you, as the emperor of Rome, can throw your weight behind a group, or you can use your oratory skills to convert people from one party to another. These all have costs. There's going to be negative reactions. So, like like you were mentioning with uh, Crusader Kings and Europa Universalis, a lot of those games, it's not about the combat. It's about managing relationships. And Imperator Rome is no not really different. It's about managing your relationships here in this particular case with the Senate and with the political parties. Now you need the Senate on your side because it's what gives you approval for changing laws in order to, well, you know, anything could be raise taxes, to build roads, to, you know, whatever. Also, uh, punishing your enemies. So you're going to be interacting with characters and you're going to want to punish your enemies, you know, imprison them, banishment, that sort of thing, and the Senate has to approve those sorts of things, and then all diplomatic interactions run through the Senate as well. Now, Paradox goes out of their way, way out of their way, to help the modders know how they might be able to mod this. In fact, they even display some of the uh, source code for uh, Imperator Rome here and say, okay, this is how the the voting and stuff like that in the senate is going to work and i mean it's just lines and lines and lines and lines and lines of code and i'm not a coder i don't understand much of this um it did strike me like how amazing that the the people from places like paradox or other uh countries are from because not only do they have to learn how to code they have to learn English, and if they're not native English speakers, they got to learn English so they can code in these languages and uh, make it so, you know, it, it works for modders all over the world. So, anyway, very interesting, very fascinating. I wouldn't expect anything less from a Paradox Grand Strategy game. So, there you go. The Senate is important in, per- in Imperator Rome. The Galactic Senate is important too. Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> that's, could do that's... a really interesting Star Wars grand strategy thing with the uh, Galactic Senate and that sort of thing. Oh, uh, with what they're doing in Stellaris, I would not be surprised if in the future they have a um, not di- like a, like a diplomatic slash government focused update where they do something like that because right now that's another thing that trouble. But anyways, that's a different game. So yeah, so. Sounds great. Curious to see where they go with that. And uh, uh, let's move on from quasi or semi-historical alternate history. Alternative history? I don't know. Alternate these days has a very different meaning. Uh, <laughs> um, to this, to a different genre, which is Total War Warhammer 2. So they have, this is not a major release. It's something really small, but they have something called the reinforcement beta that's open that people can get into. And it's just little changes that they're making. And basically, uh, when you have reinforcements coming into combat, they will now come from the expected direction. So if, if on the meta map, the reinforcements would be coming from, I would say, south, in the game, they could they would appear from somewhere completely differently. Like, wait, that doesn't make sense. When did they flank? So now they're going to be coming from the direction that they're expected from. They changed with the Lisa with the recent uh, Queen and Crone release. They made changes and they're con- they're further tweaking the Dark Elves here, as well as um, some stuff with the Tomb Kings, the Skaven, the Elves, and then they added. They're adding some other stuff for Tomb Kings, like let me see, Skeleton Warriors and Spearmen are now available to recruit from Infantry Level One, building open graves. Since I don't play it, I, I mean I know the context for the tabletop, but I don't know the context for you know for this game. And 
for the computer version. So, anyways, it's cool. I'm very curious to see what their next major uh, addition to uh, Warhammer Two is going to be, and when they're going to announce the third one. But I'm I'm hoping they wait. I hope they put out a few more factions. They put some work like for the this version of Chaos, because I know for a fact, and just going by lore, that the third one is going to be end of time, end times, and it's going to be you know all kinds of stuff. It's all going to be focused on Chaos. So we'll see how that plays out. And uh, let me see what else. So, all right. Okay. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Star Control? All right. The dev journal for Star Control, which is 8 out of 13 this week, talks about UI, which is a very difficult thing to describe on a podcast since you kind of need the visuals to help people understand what it is you're talking about. So I'm just going to cover this in very general terms, and then if you're listening to this on our site, you can follow the link in the show notes to get a, a better picture of what's going on here. Essentially, what Stardock has done is they looked at UI in a very binary way. Either you have something that they decided to call a mobile UI, which is something with a lot of buttons that are easy to click with a lot of information on the screen pretty much at all times and uh, very very clearly you are playing a video game and then they describe something as more immersive where the UI is much more minimal and the screen is more dominated by the visuals of the game and the action rather than the buttons you could click or the information you need to see. And they have a lot of, like, they'll show pictures from Sorcerer King versus uh, Elemental. Or they'll show Goddess versus Populous. Um, and then they, they kind of move on to their own development for Star Control, where you have something that looks kind of more, it reminds me more of, like, a, a Galsiv 3 UI, and then something that looks more like a role-playing game UI. So for me, I wouldn't break it down as, like, mobile and immersive. I'd break it down more like, uh, strategy game versus role-playing game because the UI that they're going with for most of the screens looks more like something you would expect out of like Diablo or um, any of the other action RPGs that you've played. So it, it, it looks a lot more to me kind of like Diablo, that sort of thing. Anyway, um, there will be times when they switch back to what they call the mobile or the more strategy game, particularly during game setup. And that sort of thing where you're going to want all that information uh, as much as you can. But anyhow, <laughs> like it's really difficult to describe. Well, uh, they, ha they have the notes, so hopefully they can Yeah, they, you have the notes. Essentially, the UI, the UI is going to focus, it, it's going to try to keep your eyes focused on the visuals of the game and the action of the game rather than the information coming at you. Now, I would have a few bones to pick with them. Like, you know, they say, you know, for a 4X game, you want as much information on the screen as you can get at all times. And I'm like, you know, in, in my opinion, I think Endless Legend had the best user interface of all time. And a lot of the time, there wasn't much user interface on the screen. You know, if you were just looking at the map, there's actually very little. But the moment you click on a city like all kinds of information would appear and you'd have all these different windows. It's very easy to navigate between screens in Endless Legend and it's very easy to get out of those screens or minimize them so you didn't have to look at them. So I think that, you know, when it comes to a strategy game, I don't think you want all kinds of information on the screen constantly, but you do want all kinds of information easily accessible and maybe... Mm -hmm. Maybe that's something that uh, Stardock can consider in the future when it's making right. 4X games. Is I mean, that's almost feels like what they're trying to say. They're just not saying it in a clear way. So it'll be interesting to see if that's how it is. I mean, we have copies. I'll mess with it. I'll ask Joshua to mess with his copy, and I'll let you know what I think about it next time we talk. Awesome. Very cool. Let's see. What's next? Uh, you going to talk about Battletech? I will, but before I do that, I uh, just... Prior to us beginning the recording of the show, I got an email from one of our listeners who had a question about the pre-order DLC bonus for it that 
he what? wanted me to ask. So you had the the two two of the original factions for Star Control were the Erlu and the Chinjesu. So the Erlu are like the typical when we think aliens, you know, the gray skin, you know, those kind of guys flying in the flying saucers, and the Chinjesu are crystalline. So he says that they disappeared. And he was wondering what that was about. So I kind of reached out to ask if there's any information. So obviously, we can't really report anything because I just found out that there's a question. But maybe I'll, if I find out an answer in time, I'll post it up as one of the first comments for the show when it's posted on Wednesday. So, you know, just, just to let you guys know, we listen, we try to ask, we try to get information. So anyways, moving on. Yes, let's talk about Battletech. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, I was very excited for whatever Battletech had to bring next. Yeah. And I had said that once Paradox acquired Hairbrain, that there's going to be content. No doubt. So there you go. They announced the first one. So this this feels like a story pack, basically, or multiple stories. It's like a, it's a, an event pack where there are multiple different stories, and it's called Flashpoint. And within the game, now I don't. Now here's the thing. That's the one thing that's not clear. Do you need to start a new campaign to get these flashpoints, or if you are in an ongoing campaign, or is it post, like after you beat the main story and then you just can do whatever you want? Do they start happening? So flashpoints are short stories, almost like event chains that could be one or two, could be more. They don't specify that. Um, introduce different scenarios for you to deal with as part of you know however it is that they're introduced so maybe like some mercenary company somewhere else went rogue and the government that they were supporting wants you to take him out or there's some kind of a localized battle on a planet that they that somebody wants you to intervene or something like that so my guess is it'll be more specialized missions like that so i'm i'm curious i'm very curious they're introducing a new biome the jungle it's a lush tropical beach, so it should be very interesting. Then they're introducing some new battle mechs, and uh, I believe it is. Th- let me see. It is three. Whoa. Okay. So the they the first one that they're they don't dis- they don't tell you what they are. It's three or four, but they don't tell you what they are except one. It's called the Hatchet Man, and this one is f- it's uh, not too fast, but it's a multi. It has a lot of power and as part of its melee attack it has a hatchet or for those who don't know what a hatchet is it's like a short handled axe and then um, a, a new encounter thing called target acquisition where you actually need to use your light and medium mechs so as part of our review when it was being reviewed the reviewer matt he said that hey you know once you start getting deep into the game you never really use those light and medium mechs once you switch to heavy or to assaults there's no reason to go back and here's the reason. They're giving you new mission types where you're trying to control territory. So we'll see. It should be interesting. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm excited. It's coming soon. I believe it's coming. Uh, let me see. When is it coming? In, in October? Let me see. I I believe I have a date for it. But one second. Uh, it is. Nope. Nope. They don't have a date. Maybe November. Maybe it was in November. November. Early November. Something like that. I don't. I don't remember the date off the top of my head. Anyways, moving on from that, they uh, released a new update, the 1.2, which is it is a substantial, substantial update. And I'm not even gonna try to go over it. I'll just tell you some of the sections in it and grab a few key points. So there's still a couple of known issues with their addressing, like. Uh, um, graininess in the cinematic or um they introduced something new called the memorial wall which is a feature in xcom 2 for your fallen soldiers so they have you know you have a wall you can put like how they died and something like that so they kind of created something similar here which would make sense of course so that's one of the new additions lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of bug fixes some fixes for the audio uh let me see uh okay uh, some modding issue. Now, I don't know what metadata database switched over to using natural keys instead of guides where possible. I have no GUIDS. I have no idea what any of that means, but it might mean that there might be official mod support, which I'm excited for. And then uh, AI tweaks, which are great, great. User interface tweaks, we were just talking about that, is very important. That's one of the issues I have 
with the game is I don't like some of the user interface. So, for example, when you're looking in your Mac bay, this is where all your Macs are stored. I wish I could just grab a Mac and move it to a different slot. It may it would make it much easier for me to plan out my lance. That's your squad of up to four Macs for a mission. When because you can't go you they have a name like uh, 733P and whatever it is, you know, and then there might be 733A or or H or something like that. And each one has a different potential weapon loadout because of the hard points on the mech. It's a lot of like really cool things you can do, but you can't really move them around. So you have to put them in storage and make space for them in your mech band and take them out. And it is so convoluted and takes so much effort and time and money within the game to do it that it wouldn't make sense. Why couldn't you just move the mech into another base? Say, take two days to move all the equipment and tools so things like that so i'm hoping that something like that is coming but not yet so far there's a bunch of quality of life improvements and regular improvements and so the main additions and these are big um you can skip the prologue now so that's the first mission the first the, it's a long like multi-part mission you can skip it they also replaced morale with resolve which makes more sense so the way morale works worked was that you start with a certain level and as you're doing your mission you're losing morale like oh you did some kind of special attack and you lose morale and if you do something cool you gain it back which doesn't exactly make sense you know whereas now that it's resolved and it works in a different way it's a lot more consistent and i had just beaten the game this week which i'll talk about later so i haven't had a chance to check out the resolve system i did a skirmish match and again i'll talk about this and i saw it there and it was it was cool it was cool and then they added the new memorial wall which i was talking about and finally more events and this is something that i've been asking for like please more events there's a really cool little snippets like cool stuff can happen it just the travel time between missions can become more interesting because of these events. And they had already added them in the past and they are added more now. So yeah, please, please bring more. That's a lot of fun, but that's, that's it. Mostly like fixes and adjustments. And I know for people that are playing BattleTech, a lot of that stuff is, it's great. And in my experience, I've not had any crashes. I've not had any lockups, but I did have some issues with graphics to where i actually had to abandon the mission and reload and it was fixed like my line of sight and my firing arcs just would disappear like and it's happened to me like once or twice so i don't know why but other than that it's been really good oh right so another game that i've been talking about a little bit but following is called mutant year zero road to eden and this is a squad tactics game like you know like XCOM but different and this happens in a post-apocalyptic Earth. And this is a, like a like Fallout type of scenario in the future. Lots of different things could happen. And it's what I did not know is this was based on a pen and paper RPG from like sometime in the 80s. That was, you know, Swedish RPG. And the company releasing this is from there. So it makes sense. And they released a video. It's an interview from GamesCon. And uh, speaking of which, we didn't really discuss GamesCon, so I guess we can do that in a few minutes. And uh, not much to it. They're just talking about the mechanics, like some inspirations where they draw them from, and you get to see more gameplay footage because as they're being interviewed, they're playing the game a little bit. So it's really cool, and we'll have a link to the video. And then Phoenix Point, which I have not talked about in a while. They released an update where they're talking about weapons and discussing how the different factions approach weaponry and like what they're going to look like in their function not so much hard details just like cluing you in about how the weapons are different so click on the link if you want to see some amazingly gorgeous art and yeah i'm just like i, I cannot i i can i will but i'm another game that i'm incredibly hyped for so much so that i backed it when they had their crowdfunding thing one of probably i think is the third game i've ever backed so there is that and then for this week's feature of what is what is we have a game called burden of command and this is a very interesting game this is a game it's a world war ii game and at first glance you're looking at it and you're like oh it's a looks kind of like squat tactic type but it's not it's more um it's an rpg and it's it's more like uh, I don't know. How do, how do I describe this game? Six Ages, I think. 
like right now, like a, almost like a pen and paper RPG where you're presented with various scenarios and you get to pick the out, you get to pick a choice and you see what a potential outcome is. But there's, there are a lot of historical scenarios there. It's getting a lot of praise. It looks really interesting. And, um, I, I, I appreciate it. I like it. I might even buy it. No, oh, look at that. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's not a typical game that I buy. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of these types of games. But this game looks like, yeah, yeah, I'll check it out. I'm curious. All right. Well, cool. I think next we're going to take a turn for the more serious. Just a few hours before Nate and I began recording this podcast, there's been reported a shooting at a gaming tournament down in Jacksonville, Florida. And we can't really comment too much on the details at the time we're recording this because they're still sketchy other than there have been fatalities. We just want people to know that Explorminate stands with uh, our gamer friends and allies, and we support gamers, tournaments, organizing, things like this. We absolutely condemn all forms of violence uh, in general, but just, you know, specifically here in a gaming tournament. Um, and uh, we just want everyone who who may have been there or or was watching at the time to know. Yeah, that because it was being streamed live on Twitch. It was, it was being streamed live when when the shooting began. That that we're thinking about you guys, praying for you guys, um, and um, we hope that this never happens again. And we also hope that it's not used as some kind of platform, which it's, uh, it will be. You know, it's yeah. going to. It's yeah. just we're evil gamers. We we are. Obviously, it's all our fault somehow. We'll be blamed for this. But the thing is, this this was for... Remember how earlier I had mentioned when you talked about NFL? So this is for a Madden game. This is a NFL franchise from Electronic Arts. This is a huge, huge seller for Electronic Arts. It's not quite as big as FIFA, just because FIFA is just the soccer, you know, European football. God forbid soccer. Oh, my God. He's, he's evil. So... You know, this this is our version of that. And it wasn't a shooting tournament. It wasn't, you know, first-person shooter. It wasn't Fortnite or whatever, you know, Battle Dance or whatever that's called. Battlegrounds, there you go. Sorry, Battle Dance. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's for a football game. It's for a sports game. There's, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand this. I mean, I, I get frustration. I remember being frustrated playing on console, having my younger brother just button mash. I'm, you know, learn all the combinations. I thought I was good. You know, I do well. And then he comes and button mashes, laughs hysterically. I lose. Yeah, you break a controller. Sure. Okay. And then you go out and buy another one, you know, but throw it to TV and then have to explain to your parents what happened to the TV, you know. But, yeah, this type of stuff just... I don't know. doesn't make sense to me. I don't condone it at all. Never, you know, never, never solution. Talk to people. And if you can't talk, turn on and leave and don't come back. Anyways, in uh, other news, what have you been playing, Troy? Um, I did have a bit of a busy week, uh, mm -hmm. so I didn't get to play that much. I did a little bit with At The Gate and mm -hmm. um, just a little bit of World of Tank splits. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think I've played that in several days now. So Oh, no. Yeah. I know. I'm, has Chris, has Chris Keeling leaving Wargaming that impacted you that yeah, much that um, you, you can't know, the, play it? I will say that World of Tanks Blitz uh, keeps getting better and better. They just released a new patch. This mm -hmm. yeah, you know, they released a new patch this week. They changed a bunch of things. They added a new map. Like they the game was vastly improved this week and I didn't really even play it at all. So that that's that's kind of sad, but yeah, I, I will say that Blitz is getting better and better all the time. So, yeah, I mean, I hope that Chris is very successful in his new endeavor. Um, well, he and, wasn't, as far as I know, he wasn't involved with Blitz. No, no, but, you know, I, I enjoy Wargaming's products, and, uh -huh. and so I hope yeah. they're they're successful as well. I, you know, uh, this was last year in April for PAX East. I got to see when they debuted... Was it last year? Was it? no? It wasn't last year. It was two years ago, wasn't it? Uh, might have been. Yeah, two two years ago, I think. I got to see. I met up with Chris Killing at Pax East, and I got. Yeah, it was you know, two years ago. That yeah. was two years ago. Yep, two and a half years ago now. At this point, almost. So they had a huge, huge display, like like massive, and there were so many people waiting to check it out for Worlds of Things. I think they were just. This is. 
I don't know if Blitz had debuted or they were debuting Blitz or something like that because they had, you know, they got, what is it, World of Ships, right? World, World of Warships, yeah. World of Warships, you wrote that up back in the day. World of Planes or Warplanes, maybe? Warplanes, yep. Right? Mm-hmm. And then World yep. of Tanks. And I think this one, like, really took off. World of Tanks and our World of Tanks Blitz. So I remember their display. It was really cool. Like, very super excited over there. People got to play. So, yeah, I can imagine it's a huge following. Yeah, I still have the World of Warships shirt you picked up for me there. So thanks, buddy. I appreciate oh, that. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, what have you played this week? So I, too, played at the gates. And funny enough, the issue that I had on the last show with uh, the screen not being full screen and having it like, you know, if I'm trying to move the map around to see what's going on and pulling the mouse out of my play space onto my desktop and like the game freezing, all that got fixed. So that's fantastic. I didn't have any issues with that. So I fired it up, started playing. I was, I don't know how many turns I was in. A couple of turns was assigning um, not plans. job, not not plans. Not I uh, research, like trying to oh, right. mm-hmm. one of the one of the families, one of the clans. I had assigned them to research a particular trade. I think it was like like farming of some type, goat farming or sheep herding or something like that. And then another one, I had set him up as oh man, what was it? Like some uh, to administer something, some kind of an administrator. And then so you saw like my town or my village or my yurt, whatever you want to call it, right? My hut, my uh, tent. Mm -hmm. And then around it, there were a few more clans. So I'm assuming that these clans are ones I might try to recruit to join me, like families. And they were like, so if I moused over them, I got like a blue X or something like that. And then there was one outside. So I saw a total of four. So on the fourth one, if I put my mouse on, it was like a red X. I'm like, red X? What does that mean? So I clicked on it. Game crashed. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that was a warning. Like, don't click on this. The game's going to crash. I don't know. I'll have to remember that. So I was like, what? And then when I fired, so so I couldn't restart that exact game. So I had to launch a new one. And when I launched a new one, that wasn't there. And I'm like, that is so weird. So I kind of tinkered around with it, and it, it looks interesting. And I, I get what he's trying to do with, like, all these possible jobs and all these, like, I would say, you know, avenues to pursue for improving, you know, the tech tree or the tech tree equivalent. I get it. It makes me think of, like, Thea, where they had, for each character, there were all these different skills. And depending on encounters, they would be better at some encounters than others. So I suspect that that's kind of what he's going for here. But I know that he never played Thea until about a week ago when I finally convinced him to give it a spin. So, you know, maybe it's just kind of parallel thinking, parallel development. Yeah, it seems there must have been something that inspired the Thea, Sorcerer King, and At the Gates all at the same time. Yep. Because they they all started development around the same time as each other. Yep. And they all went kind of in the same direction, and and they're going to end up with very different games. Right. But, like... But there are similar ideas are similar. Yeah, they're similar elements for sure. So I'm curious. I mean, I'll let John know what happened. I haven't had a chance to chat with him this week, but I'll let him know and see if he can give me some more feedback on what what was that red X that I saw. And again, this is an early access game, so I got no complaints. It it fired it up. It ran up until I encountered that. I wasn't having any issues, but he had asked me not to talk in too much detail because he wants to reveal it. And since I have the full version of the game, like spoilers and things like that. So I'll just keep that to myself. Uh, and then I've been um, achievement hunting in Endless Legend. Oh, I with had, the new expansion? Right. I already got all of that. I think I think there might be one that I didn't get that's specific to the Kapaku. But now I'm trying to pick up a couple of LA achievements. LA, oh, mm-hmm. LA. I don't know how to say that. Fact. A- They're cool. A L L A. Y-E, but like when you watch their video, they're pronounced differently. But whatever, they're they're cool. They're fun faction. I have to admit, I, I never really, once I beat the game with him, I didn't really give them a lot of chance. I wasn't thinking about their play style too much. But they are such a tall faction. Yeah, they are. You, they, you can't go wide with them at all. You, you could go wide with them. But no, you don't, no. You, don't, no you, get, you get, the penalties stack up too fast. You, I've well, tried. I've tried. It, the penalties stack up too fast. I, I haven't. Tr- That's the thing. I'm still in my original city, 
And I see no reason to go wide because with the sky fin, I'm able to harvest resources yeah. everywhere that I want to go. And they're not touched by the neutrals. The neutrals like, ooh, holy creatures. So the neutrals <laughs> don't attack them. Oh, it's only the other factions like, hey, get out of my territory. Why are you stealing stuff from me? You know, which is essentially what you're doing. But yeah, I'm 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 enjoying them. And um, so, yeah, so I've like put like probably a third of my gaming this week has gone into Endless Legend alone. Wow. That's time well spent. Yeah, I think so. I'm enjoying myself. On the flip side, there are plenty of people out there like, Endless Legend, how can you like that? It's a pretty game. It's got good music. Da, 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 but it's it's not really fun. I don't get it. And it's like, oh, I don't know. I enjoy it. <laughs> because I enjoy something doesn't mean you're going to enjoy it. But then again, because you like Fortnite, don't expect me to like it. <laughs> right? Right, right. So to each their own. And yeah. then let's see what else. <clears throat> A little bit of XCOM 2, but I didn't play. I was just looking at some... Uh, ben was asking me about some options, and I was trying to find them. So it turns out he might need like some mods to address what he's talking about or buy War of the Chosen. And let me see what else. Oh, yeah. Fort Triumph. So this is, this is a, a tactics game, a squad tactics game, but it's a fantasy-based game. And it's more... It has more RPG to it because... You have the interaction between the characters and their environment is a lot deeper than, say, something like XCOM. Like, there's a there's a dialogue going on between them, and it's it's pretty funny. It's written really, really well. So I'm only, like, I just finished the prologue, and I'm starting. I think I have access to the, to the first chapter. I bought it, so, you know, I, I'll get it eventually. But I have uh, access to the first chapter of the campaign. And it's I, I'm laughing. I'm playing this, and I'm like, this is good humor. They did a good job. So, for those that are thinking they're on the fence about this, I think I picked it up for like 17 bucks or something like that. And for 17 bucks, this game is a steal. Like the combat is really good, really solid, and like the story and the art is cartoony, but kind of like Warcraft three cartoony, not not like you know. Just completely silly. So, yeah, that's it. That's that's what I've been doing. And right. I, th I think with that, that's it, right? All right. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this one up? Just the usual. A huge thank you to our patrons. And just thank you for being with us. It's almost been four years that we've been around. So thank you. We really appreciate it. Keep keep coming back. we got more stuff coming. And hopefully our guys... We'll be coming back from summer break so we can pick up the pace of content, get a little bit more stuff up on YouTube. Uh, Dallin and Ben have been uh, messing around at least once a week on Twitch. And then, like I had promised before, I will be creating a Discord channel and a Stitcher or one of those other ones, one of the other streaming platforms. We'll be adding that to our all our information so you'll be able to talk to us on Discord or each other and, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, we would like to thank everybody for joining us. We've really enjoyed having you on this podcast. This has been Troy and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya.